Welcome to the Vandy Sports Podcast. I am your host, Chris Lee. Our guest today will be George Plaster of Nashville Sports Radio. We thank our sponsor, Wellspire, Nashville's Learning and Development Center. Wellspire offers personal and professional development opportunities in a beautiful facility in the Gulch neighborhood. Stop by for an event with world-renowned speakers or host an off-site event that will wow your team or clients. We also thank our co-presenting sponsor, the Well Coffee House, which turns coffee into water and has a mission to bring clean water to the world. Today's news is presented by Sutherland and Belk, a Nashville-based injury law firm. Sutherland and Belk is committed to fighting for those who have been injured in car, motorcycle, and truck accidents. Check them out at sbinjurylaw.com. Well, no new news. Still waiting word on what happens with Romello White. The Arizona State transfer seems as if he intends to transfer to Vanderbilt to complete his basketball career. We will keep you updated on that situation as it progresses. Our guest line presented by Boland Branch, started by Vanderbilt graduates Scott and Missy Tannen. I had no clue how nice Boland Branch sheets were until I got a set for myself. They are fair trade certified, meaning they are made under safe conditions by men and women treated and paid fairly. Try them free for a month. You can return them, but you won't want to. Once you get the sheets, try the mattress. That was voted the best mattress of 2018. Go to BowlingBranch.com. That's spelled B-O-L-L. Enter the promo code Vandy and get $50 off your first set of sheets. George Plaster of Nashville Sports Radio joins me now, presumably in one piece this morning. There have been some pretty ferocious storms to rip through the Nashville area in the last 48 hours or so. It has left a good bit of damage around the area, including knocking down a big tree in your yard and also knocking out your power in another storm the next day. George, glad you were with us today and in one piece, uh, allegedly. Yeah, <laughs> you know, right now that's uh, that, that's a big deal. Um, the tree is just to the left of my bedroom, and that tree is, best as I know, about 60 years old, and it looked like a lightning strike just shattered it. And it was, boy, you talk about a mess. And um, so I, we're very fortunate in that if the tree had shattered and then come in this direction, uh, I'm not sure this house would be in one piece. Instead, it went the other way uh, toward our, our neighbor's driveway, and it went all the way down to their mailbox. That thing is huge. And... Um, I tell you what, I, I'd never seen anything quite like that. I guess other than a tornado, you know, the straight line winds that we got on Sunday, they say we're in the 70 mile per hour range. Um, man, it's some, it's some powerful stuff. There's supposedly, and I've not seen it yet, a video of some roofers in the Nashville area who got caught in the middle of that I guess on Sunday I've been told to watch that I have not done that yet but I'm thinking the last three months what this city has been through with the tornadoes and now these storms which I guess are kind of minor compared to those then the virus thing I don't ever remember living through a time like this in this area I mean I guess you could say that with the virus alone but then you add those things and it's been a really strange time yeah, Nashville and uh, Middle Tennessee and 
of Jordan Cookville have had, uh, they've had more stuff to deal with than I think anybody could imagine. And uh, let's just hope it starts to get better soon. Well, when will we have sports stuff to deal with again, you think? You know, it's a good question. Yesterday, we got into this this thing, what I call roll call, on on all of the sports. Because it seems to me that, for instance, the NBA and the NHL, they're going to have to say something definitive, I think, in the next 21 days. Baseball probably has maybe a tad bit more, maybe a month, maybe five weeks. The NFL has the luxury of kind of sitting back and watching all of this. And they also have TV contracts that are so big that whether they have spectators or not is really not all that big a deal. College football, on the other hand, has got, you know, major issues because college 16, 18, no matter what, the people that run college athletics are going to do everything in their power to get college football in, which I guess I sort of lean toward they're probably going to go to something in the spring. And what that does to college basketball, I have no idea. But, you know, money talks and everything else walks. So you got to believe college football. They're going to do just about anything to get that to happen. I agree with you. Before we go to college, let's talk to pro sports for a minute. It appears to me that the NBA and the NHL are really, like you said, if they don't come up on something soon, I think you're running the risk of running into next year and affecting that just because those seasons go so late as it is. You've got to come up with what do you do with the rest of the regular season because you still had, at least in hockey, a lot of close races to get into playoffs. I don't know how you resolve that. I don't know if you shorten the series instead of seven games to five or what you do there, but there's a lot of things that on the pro end, there's some issues that you get, I think, running into next season depending on how you handle the length of what's ahead to play with this year, assuming they play it, which I'm with you, I think they do. I, I don't know what it looks like, but I, I think you you almost have to. Well, let's take the NHL for a minute, because the NBA, if you look at the standings, and I did yesterday, is pretty clear-cut in both conferences. The top eight are pretty well-established. Uh, there really are not any big battles uh, to to ouster the eighth seed, which I think is the Orlando Magic in the East and the Memphis Grizzlies in the West. But in hockey, it's an absolute mess. And so the latest thing that's been thrown out there is that hockey would have a 2014 playoff, which on the surface sounds absurd. But the problem is, let's take the Predators for a second. Because of a three-game winning streak right before all of this went down, the Preds today are in. They're in as the eighth seed, 
which, oh, by the way, is how they made the run in 2017. They're the eighth seed by an eyelash. And I think I'm right that it's over Winnipeg. But there are about five teams in there going, wait a minute. You know, we've played less games or, you know, there's all kinds of inequities. And, you know, I think the NHL is trying to figure out how to set up something without saying, well, you know what? Tough luck. You know, we we got a bad deal and you're just going to have to deal with it. My guess is if they go to something like that, that some of those playoff series may have to be something like best two out of three and get it moving or, or play, you know, three games in four days. Um, It's just crazy, but whatever happens, I'm with you. They're going to have to do something. Time is running out. And the problem is I think, most people believe that we would have a much clearer picture of, hey, it's getting better. It's getting a lot better. Let's go ahead and do this. Uh, it may be getting better, but boy, it's a slow getting better. Well, sports can kind of be copycat in nature in terms of how the leagues operate. I wonder, boy, think about this a minute. If everything opens up around the same time, you've got. NHL and NBA playoffs at the same time. You have baseball starting. I mean, it is just going to be, we're going to go from zero to 100 in no time, I predict, probably within the next few weeks. It could really get crazy. Um, You know, there are a lot of people that couldn't care less about baseball. And so they go from April until early August with absolutely nothing. And I guess I'm lucky because my love of baseball keeps me in the sports world all year long. But this year, you know, you've got things like the Kentucky Derby, uh, the first week of the college ball season, the Masters hockey and the NBA potentially in July and August. Baseball trying to find its way. I mean, the overlaps could be absolutely insane. But I guess as a sports talk show host, my reaction needs to be, bring it on. We need something to talk about. So, if you're making predictions, if I heard you correctly, you think that there will be college football, but in the spring, all indications with the NFL are that they are planning on playing as normal, boy, what a weird scenario that would be. Well, I've thought for a while that what would end up happening is that the NFL would say, Saturday, that normally is college football, is wide open. So about two weeks ago, I put it out there on the air. I said to Watson, I said, you watch. The NFL will create a triple header every Saturday a noon game, a 3.30, a 7 o'clock, and the networks will jump all over it because they have nothing else to do. And the NFL, which doesn't need the money, will get even more. And then college football will play in the spring. Well, I had to laugh. About three days ago, the New York Post put that out there, that the NFL was looking into that. 
But the college stuff, I you know, I can't get a real good read. For a good while, it was for about a two three week period. It was they're going to play in the spring. Now you're starting to hear that you know a lot of schools are opening up and saying, you know, our school will be open in the fall. But the real truth of it is, Chris, I don't think anybody knows anything. I think you've got a hundred million contingency plans that are being put together because nobody really knows where this situation's going. As the company, as the country starts to open up, is this going to lead to, you know, further coronavirus spreading, or are we going to do what needs to be done and be cautious with it and keep it as under control as possible until we find the vaccine? When I hear the NFL say, you know, they're absolutely going you know, on day one, because that's what they're going to release in a couple of days when they release their schedule. I kind of laugh because the truth of it is they don't know. This is all just, you know, tough talk. But the truth of it is they don't know any more than we do. They don't. I'm at least glad that they have a plan and something to shoot for, I guess. But when when we had these conversations, I listened to you bring things up in my head, just spins thinking, okay, you say something that reminds me of something that reminds me of something that has to be dealt with. And I think of a spring season and just so many things pop into my head. Like one is this, you have all these early enrollees that now come to schools now. So if you have a spring football season, do you have all the players that were supposed to be there anyway? Then what do you do if a kid wants to enroll in January? Uh, you know, do, do they get to play, I guess, a season before, in a sense? In other words, they, they wouldn't play if the season's in the fall, but do they get to play in the spring? Then you have unbalanced scholarship situations where I guess teams are going over the 85. You know, baseball's dealing with that. That's just another thing that it, thinking about – is we discuss spring college football that I hadn't thought of till now. Uh, you know, then you have issues like spring practice and a bunch of other stuff. But that's one thing that pops into my head. I'm like, well, how do you deal with that? I don't know that that's a thing that I've heard discussed. I'm I've got a big grin on my face because a week ago, this exact same scenario came up where I was talking to a buddy of mine all excited about a baseball plan that had just come out. And in a span of about 20 minutes, he just absolutely shot enough holes in it for it to be Swiss cheese. And I got to thinking, you know, is there a scenario where all of these leagues look up in the next month, month and a half, and just say, you know what? We have all these contingency plan nobody on God's earth could handle all of the what ifs. And so none of us are going to play. I don't think that's what's going to happen, but there are so many holes in each and every one of these ideas that you do wonder if one of these, you know, if some of these leagues just say, you know, we did our best, but we can't see it through. Well, you have holes and issues with any solution, but I think the 
biggest problem is if you just don't play, period. And I don't mean this in a safety sense. I mean, if health has got to trump everything, and I think if that is an issue, then you don't play. But I think if there's a reasonable scenario where you can play, you have to because I think you start affecting people's financial health and jobs and all sorts of things to the point where the problem could be worse than the cure. Again, don't mean to be insensitive towards the health thing. And there is a scenario where that's bad enough to where you call the whole thing off. But I think you have to try if it seems reasonable because, again, I don't know what you do if you don't. Well, here's here's one of these scenarios that maybe not a lot of people have thought about uh, in what I'm going to call the new world order. Let's take Tennessee Tech University in Cookville. Dwayne Alexander, their head coach, is a friend of mine, and I had him on recently to talk about all these various issues. And we got into the concept of money games for smaller schools where, you know, the UL Monroe's play at Alabama or Western Carolina plays at Auburn. And in Tennessee Tech's case, they're supposed to go to Minnesota, I think was the, the school he told me. And he said, we desperately need that game because it pays for so many other things in our athletic department. Well, I believe one of the things that is going to change in the future, I don't believe that the guarantees for the little guy is going to be nearly as big as they are now. A lot of these schools, the bigger schools, will pay up to a million dollars to have a UL Monroe or a UL Lafayette or, or, you know, Western Carolina, whoever at VMI. I don't think you're going to see those kind of uh, price tags in the future, and that's really going to hurt the little guy. Well, and two things I'm thinking here, George. I think if a you do have a shortened college football season. That game's going to be the first one to go because the TV ratings and all those things just aren't going to matter as opposed to, say, the attractiveness of LSU-Alabama. So that's number one. Number two, I keep thinking, you read in history about how the Great Depression shaped the lives of the people that went through it and that generation and how it thought about money and safety and all sorts of things. I wonder if we are going to see a similar effect in how money and sports are treated. You know, you look at these absurd contracts that coaches get. You know, Wake Forest is going to pay Danny Manning $15 million not to coach. And nobody held a gun to a school's head and made somebody sign that contract. Uh, but Wake Forest did it. I mean, Derek Mason got a similar one last year. It would have cost Vanderbilt, I think, about $15 million to let him go. I do wonder if some of the foolishness of those types of contracts and investments are going to get reined in going forward, and I don't see how that can't happen. I think you're spot on with this whole concept that the day of the coaches getting the mega bucks may well be over. And so, as is often the case in life, timing is everything. If you're a coach who, within the last year or two, has signed one of these mega deals, you're probably in great shape. 
But if you're one of these coaches who is on the verge of getting the next deal, it may not be anything close to what, you know, you originally thought it would be. And, you know, God forbid that you may have to live on $1.5 million a year. Um, you know, let me hold a, a radio phone for you. Here's one other thing. Thank Chris, that if we were the Big 12 commissioner, came with this thing. I saw it uh, in an article, and he had done this in a podcast with somebody where what he put out there was that college football was not nearly as worried about starting on time as it was the concept of being able to finish it off. And that, you know, the big worry is what do we do if in late October, November, as the weather gets colder, that we have a second wave of this thing and we're not able to play it out in its entirety. And until he said that, I really had not thought about that nearly enough, but that's just another problem to heap on top of all the other problems that these people are dealing with and trying to figure all this out. Okay, let's say you have a spring football season, right? I would presume you would start when the semester starts, although, boy, there's some issues there now that I think about it because – Man, you have practices to get through. I don't I don't know if what we now know is spring practice is something that they do in November or, or or December. I mean that that's another thing that I hadn't given much thought to. But let's say that some way that you start I don't know, the first or second week of January, then the season plays out if it goes the normal course over four months, that's February, March, April, May. So you're doing the college football playoffs about the time schools graduate. So then I don't know what you do with spring practice the next year. I guess you just don't have one. It becomes the next year's fall camp, which, boy, that's not a huge turnaround, I guess, for players. Well, you, also have, you also have the combine. Look, you're, you're still playing college football at the time the NFL normally drafts, right? So then that evaluation period goes away. I, I don't know if they, they move the draft to the summer. I mean, there just are so many questions as you get into moving the season to the spring. Well, let me give you two more. Number one, there's no guarantee that ticket sales are going to be what the schools hope that they will be. A lot of the studies right now that are coming out indicate that the fan – is not all that comfortable with the idea of buying tickets to go sit in a stadium close to each other, you know, if the virus is still out there. That's number one. Number two, in particular, in in the Big Ten, you could just see two or three weekends where just in normal weather, normal weather patterns, let me put it this way, that you could have weekends where it's nothing but just blizzard football. And, you know, you you end up with crowds of 600 people in a 50,000 seat stadium because they're the diehards that are willing to sit out in a blizzard and watch Purdue beat Michigan State three to nothing. That's what you run the risk of. Now, in the South, you get a better shake 
weather-wise, and so you probably don't have nearly the issues that you would have. But up north, you've got a ton of issues. And and while we're on the, the subject of issues, doesn't a Rutgers up in that New York area have to think about the possibility that their home stadium may have to be in Missouri or it may have to be in Kansas or you know, there's no way right now that Rutgers could play home football in their stadium. Well, here's another thought for you. I wonder if the domed venues, you know, I'm thinking Syracuse, Minnesota, places like that. If weather really gets to be an issue, do you have to have contingency plans? Say it's a a Monday and the forecast shows you're going to have two feet of snow on a Saturday. Do you have a contingency plan? You know, say the big 10 says, Hey, we're going to do a triple header. We're going to do it. in, you know, Lucas oil stadium in Indianapolis bingo and, and start having plans to, to move certain games there just to have them played. Well, you know, so all of process was like, but let Big Ten for a minute. You have a commissioner, and you have a lot of associate commissioners and assistant commissioners. My guess is that each week the commissioner says to these associate commissioners, "Okay, I need you to put together a plan, Joe, I need you to put together a plan for football in the fall, football in the spring. Can you imagine sitting, you know, at home trying to put that together? And, you know, you and I in in 30 minutes of a podcast have shot holes in virtually everything that's out there, but that's what the new world order is probably going to be like. How many of these small bowl games get killed if this all goes down with spring football? Boy, I hadn't even thought about that. Well, and um, let me throw another one at you. Yeah, that's a great point. Let me, here's another one, okay? I'm trying to think how many of these places where bowl games are played share venues with Major League Baseball teams. Yankee Stadium. For sure. Phoenix. Um, San Francisco, where the Giants play in what used to be Pac Bell. I don't know what they call it now, which is a beautiful ballpark. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> it's a great point. I, I just had not thought about that. Yeah, that's another thing to work around is you have MLB schedules at that point. I mean, God, God knows how many things we're not even thinking of if you do that. That's why I go back. I think they will play ball in the fall. Um, I think this thing, and, and again, I've said this, I think every time I bring this up, you never know. Things could take a turn in a week or, or two weeks or whatever that obliterates all this. But I just think that people now are used to the precautions that you have to take, people are aware of the risks that if they go out, you know, you need food, but you could also catch the virus if you're not careful. Now, I've seen people in my area 
more relaxed in recent weeks. You don't see as many people in Kroger wearing masks. Heck, for that matter, I've gotten more relaxed. You know, a month ago, I didn't dare leave the house without a mask, and I don't do it intentionally now, but sometimes I'll walk in a store and, and think, oh, shoot, I left that at home, and you just kind of go on. I think people have, in, in one sense, I think they've let their guard down a little bit, in another sense, I think you've seen them react to where if they feel like it's a threat, they react appropriately. I think we have started to build in uh, expectations and ways to deal with this thing while getting our basic stuff done. And I think what you said earlier is also important. I think that a lot of people are just going to make the choice not to attend these things. That's really where I think this is going to go, is that I think because of all these issues we're thinking about, unless this takes a really dire turn again, I think they're going to play ball in the fall. But I think it's going to be up to people to use common sense judgment about what to do about it, whether that means going to games, not going to games, uh, just throwing huge tailgate parties at the house on weekends and controlling their environment that way. But I think, as I think through all this, unless I think this takes a big turn, I bet they play just because I think you have fewer issues if you do than if you move it. I can't disagree with anything you've put out there. Now, on on a lighter note, which school is the first one to have mask day where they hand out 40,000 masks that have the school's, um, you know, um, emblem on the mask. Oh, I think that's um remember you heard that right here. Yeah, I mean it, it's it's one of these places where football is just an overdrive, which means the SEC or Texas probably. Yeah. I mean it's probably not the Pac twelve, it's not the the ACC, maybe Ohio State, but yeah, I mean it's I <laughs> I think that's probably gonna be part of it. You may just pick one up on your way to the stadium. Um, <laughs> every game you go to, uh, which I think you'll see a lot of opposing fans We're, may choose not to wear that mask rather than to wear one with the other team's colors on it. Right. I, I don't think well, Alabama fans are going to walk into Auburn and pick up an orange and blue mask. No, no, that, that even if it's uh life threatening. Now there is uh, some humor that, in that. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I, I would rather get the virus than wear Auburn colors or Alabama colors or fill in the blank with whatever. The, the bottom line to all this is that uh, we are in some different times that most of us obviously have never experienced before. A friend of mine sent me a picture of a Georgia Tech football game during the uh, during the Spanish flu, and everybody was wearing the masks, but they were not doing the social distancing, which I found very interesting. But um, I probably ought to put that photo out there somewhere because it's pretty interesting. Oh, I, you definitely should. I would love to see that. Uh, yeah. What were the masks made of? I don't know. I have no idea. Let's go to the mailbag, shall we? Let's do. The Mailbag is sponsored by Mark Gent of Simply a Fan. Mark organizes road trips to sporting events across the country, 
and plans to do so for Vanderbilt sporting events when those resume again. Go to simplyafan.com to get more information and tell them you heard about it on the podcast. Mr. Vandy says if Vanderbilt were to get the transfer from Arizona State, that being Romello White, what impact will that have on next year's roster? Well, it, it could be huge. I mean, this is a guy who's a proven NCAA Division One performer. Vanderbilt needs as many of those as they can possibly get. It's become obvious to me that Jerry Stackhouse figured out we haven't got enough horses to make this work. And it seems to me that they have been very active on the recruiting front in recent weeks. Now, you know, they've lost Neesmith. Uh, they've lost Saban Lee, which are huge uh, chunks of your team that go away. And so it looks to me like Stackhouse has said, man, I got to get out there and get some players. And to his credit, it looks like that's happening. Boy, they could, they could use this guy, um, you know, who has proven on the Division One level to be a very effective player. Yeah, I would think he is one of the better maybe four or five transfers out there. As a Vandy fan, basically you got to say, bring him on. <laughs> well, what's funny is – and David Sisk brought this up in a podcast we had last week. John Calipari is out there just killing to get a big man. He can't find one. And all of a sudden, a kid like this evidently drops right into Vanderbilt's lap, if it happens that way. Who would have ever thought it? These yeah. are changing times. <laughs> they are. Vandy Fitz says, in your interview with Will Perdue, he revealed being turned down by multiple Vandy ADs when offering his time and efforts to help Vandy and alumni participation in fundraising efforts. Uh, has Georgia yourself, meaning me, heard Will mention if he has been contacted by Candace Story Lee or anyone from McGugan since that interview? I, I'm not aware that that's happened. Um, I do think it's been a mistake over the years. Will, first of all, Will Purdue cares about Vanderbilt and Vanderbilt athletics uh, like very few people that I know. I get calls uh, from Will, you know, wanting to talk about what's going on. Uh, he cares greatly. I do think at some point it would have been a good idea uh, as he was considering the possibility of you know, moving from Louisville, Nashville was a place he's always liked. And I think he could have been very effective uh, for that athletic department if the role was simply one of being a friend raiser, because that, that's, that's an area they've not done a very good job. Tim Corbin has probably been their most effective, what I would call friend raiser. And if you do a good enough job in the friend raising world, then the fun joy dealing with him. He's funny. He's got a sense of humor. Um, unfortunately, he uses that sense of humor a lot on me. People that have ever heard him on my show, <laughs> he, you just know there's going to be a shot fired at me at some point. But yeah, I do think uh, at some point over the years, 
that some athletic director needed to consider that. And it just never happened. Ultimately, Vanderbilt wants to maintain control of how it wants to do stuff. I think Vanderbilt is more interested in using sports as a political vehicle than it is winning. I don't think it's any coincidence that Will got turned down. I think that they resist anybody and everybody who would push them. I mean, Tim Thompson made it plain to them, let it be known, hey, I've got connections in the baseball, you know, in the sports worlds. When you're looking for coaches and ADs, and I can help you with that. Uh, you know, instead of having Tim on a committee, you know, they had a committee of like 30 people to pick the AD. He was not one of them. I really don't think they want anybody who has ideas outside of their little bubble on how things should be done, and that bubble really ultimately means we're going to keep sports under our thumb. We don't want anybody that's going to push us to good ideas, to winning or anything, if it takes us outside where we want to go. And for that reason, I'd be a little surprised if Will ever gets contacted. I mean, he might get contacted in a way where they say, well, we reached out to him and said this, but I just don't think that they want to meaningfully change the way they do anything over there. Independent thinking does not seem to go well over there. Well, they like independent thinkers, I think, is but they don't like it in a way that challenges their status quo. I think you've hit it. Yeah. Dead on the nail. Well, and with that, I think the podcast has probably run its course today. I am anxious to see when we see Major League Baseball again. It sounds like that's going to be happening maybe end of June, 1st of July. So hopefully there's some light at the end of the tunnel here. God, I hope so. <laughs> the uh, Hey, tell the kids to settle down back there. Yeah, well, my cinnamon <laughs> rolls are ready. Um, oh, well, ship a couple over here. As you can hear my daughter say, they are very good. She made them herself last night. So uh, Go to it. There's no respect for podcasting around here. No, but it, it, it's good ambiance. It is. George, uh, tell folks where they can find your show online, where they can find you on Twitter, please. Uh, on 560 on the AM dial, although I'm told yesterday with the power down that we weren't on 560, and I never knew that until uh, about 90% of the show was over. I kept wondering. We weren't getting much response, and I was like, what's going on here? So 560 on the AM dial, 95.9 on FM. And if you're stuck at home, go on the app at Nash Sports Radio. And I do have a Twitter account, and it is George Plaster TN. Thank you, George. I enjoyed it as always. Me too, Chris. He is George. You, you bet. He is George Plaster. I'm Chris Lee. Thank you for listening to the Vanity Sports Podcast.